increase, to become, or make greater in size, amount, intensity, or degree. Angela Hood and Daryl Ellison Jr. So my name is Angela Hood. I am the executive director for the Flint Genesee Literacy Network. I am a current doctoral student at the only University of Michigan. Michigan State, go green, go white. Um, so yeah, um, I, I hold uh, a master's degree in business from Northwood University. I hold a bachelor's degree in accounting and business from Northwood, and I am a very proud my alum. So um, my work really involves community. I'm a licensed minister. Uh, I have ministered and pastored in this community for over 25 years. Um, I was licensed in ministry in 1997 in London, England by the International Gospel Fellowship. Um, I didn't even know that. Oh, you did? <laughs> no, not in London, England. Yeah, yeah, in London, England. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I say that to say I'm experienced, right? I'm seasoned. Um, I just celebrated my 52nd birthday, so. May 8th. May, oh, okay. Yeah, so, thank you. I'm 52. Um, loving it, man. I'm living my best life. Um, so, my upbringing. So, I'm a child. I'm, um, I was born and raised in Flint, educated through the Flint Community Schools. I'm a Flint alum. Um, grew up right here. My father worked for General Motors um, all of his life and retired. Um, my mother started out at Michigan Bell and ended up retiring from the um, County Sheriff's Department. Um, so I grew up, I probably lived all over Flint. So I'm a Southside girl at heart on Stanford <laughs> Street. But I also, like in our young, my young life, lived on Lyon Street, we lived on Trumbull, I lived on York, lived on Armstrong. Uh, so I, I know the city pretty well. Um, and so, uh, so how did that shape me? So my parents had a very volatile relationship. They um, fought, cussed, argued. It was rough any given day. Um, my dad really liked the ladies. Um, he, you gotta keep in mind, this is the '70s, right? So he was uh, Mr. Like he was Ron Isley all day long. Butterfly collar with the you know chest hair out everything. Um, oh yeah. The, oh yeah. He had the, taco meat. Look, he had the perm with the uh, with the curls and everything. Um, and so my parents had a hard time um, getting on the same page. And so I didn't grow up in the most stable environment. Um, there was always drinking. My dad um, was a recovering alcoholic. Um, when he passed, um, there was drug usage, um, so, and that was just normal, right? That was just normal to me. Um, my parents eventually divorced when I was 12. I was so glad they divorced because that meant the fighting stuff, yeah. right? Um, so seeing that, I remember being a kid, and I remember giving my life to the Lord at like eight years old, and at eight years old, my prayer was for peace. And that's something, right? To be an eight-year-old child asking for peace. And uh, so one of the 
the proclamations. Um, I remember going to Christ Cathedral, which is over by Kersley Park, um, Kersley Lake, and the prophet that was there at time at the time had declared over me that I would live a life of peace. And um, I had never spoken out loud, but this was my prayer. And so I think that that proclamation, that prophetic word over my life still governs me to this day. Because anything that threatens my peace has to go. You know what I mean? Just growing up in a household that was not peaceful um, has led me to protect my peace at all costs. And, and peace isn't the absence of trouble, right? So let me say that. Because um, I, I walk through trouble well. Um, you know, I've had to, my father passed as a result of dementia, and I was his care provider for years. Uh, and that was not easy, but I had peace in it. And so, you know, being able to navigate storms without the storms raging within you, uh, to me, is the definition of, of what peace looks like. Dealing with that storm, can you explain, like, what was your your mentality going into it like I understand you say you dealt you dealt with it and from like that eight year old mm -hmm. from having to deal with it, your father's dementia like what was your mentality like how did you find that that peace within that storm exactly. Ooh, it wasn't always easy I mean and it, I didn't always um, find it well I think at eight right not having language not having um, the ability to control my own household or choices um my grandmother was my refuge i spent a lot of time with my grandmother um who took me to church and made sure i got to school and those kind of things and um so her house for me was a solace and i think that's where my um i know for a fact that's where my faith foundation came from she was a a woman who devoutly believed in god she was constantly studying her bible and praying and teaching and so my, it's, it's funny because I think about how um, who I am was greatly shaped by her. Um, and I think that anchored me, right? Even though, like, as I grew into a teenager, I, I always did well in school, uh, but I was very promiscuous. Um, I think growing up and not having love in the home, feel, not feeling loved, not feeling stable, not feeling valued, right? It led me to look for that, and sex was my outlet as a teenager. Um, and, and and because of that, I think it made me extremely vulnerable to, like, the first person who ever showed me love. So my, my children's father and I um, started dating, well, going together, quote-unquote, at 12. And so, I mean, we married at 19, um, and he was in the military, and um, I got pregnant, right? So I dropped out of Kettering, um and got married and had two beautiful children that I wouldn't change anything for um, that are now adults. But it, it did cause me to make some choices, I think, in seeking peace, seeking peace in the arms of another person, um, until I could really find out that I could create, I had the responsibility to create my own peace by the choices I made in the past that I took. Yeah, um, because I've, since I've known you, like I've never, I, I've never seen you like uh, upset about anything. It's like you, uh, you always went through 
anything. Not that I know everything that you went through, obviously, but it's like you went through it with with grace. So you saying that now, I can kind of see why because you just had a mentality, you had that 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 mantra over your life just to even if you went through a storm, just to kind of find a peace that could be within. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, and let's say you met me later in life, right? Yeah. So you and I met at my, yeah. when I was in my 40s, mm-hmm. right? So I went back to school um, to finish up my degrees in my 40s. And I did that because both my kids had gone off to college. And I was lecturing them about the importance of education. Mm-hmm. And my son, with his quick wit, said, yeah, but you never got a degree. You make good money. And that comment right there propelled me to go back to school and finish okay. my education. Okay. So I met you right on that journey. Um, I had just been downsized from my job. Um, and I do, like there's something at my core that believes that, you know, it's, it sounds cliche, but everything works together for my good because I love God. Like that's Romans 8.28. That is, like I believe it. Like, even if it's not good, I believe it's working for my good. Mm -hmm. Because my greatest challenges have produced, like, my character and my integrity and and really heightened my value. So, I'm not asking for trouble, but every time I go through something, I emerge (laughs) better for it. Right? So, it's like... um, going back to school, right? I remember going, my house was in foreclosure, right? Because I went back to school and I was collecting unemployment from Marvin, but my Marvin unemployment was running out. And um, I cashed out my 401k and I was really determined to finish my degrees. And I didn't know how it was going to work out. But I just kept saying, Lord, I know it's going to work out for my good. And and it did, right? I, I really hit the fast track educationally and on the other end of it, I was able to emerge, and the wall that I had hit, not having a degree, I was able to burst through financially. Uh, did you feel that, because that's an odd comment to, for your, not an odd comment for your child to make, but it's odd for, for that comment to now be like the, that becomes a fire. Oh yeah. That, that becomes a fire in you, so like, like, if you can go right back to that moment. Like, when he said it, like, did you go immediately into, like, I got to do this now? Yeah, I knew right then when he said it, I had to do it because it couldn't be, like, I had to walk the walk. Mm -hmm. I mean, walk the talk. I had to show, like, there was no excuse, right? When they were smaller, you know, I kind of, I was struggling to keep the lights on, right? I was making decent money, but I was commuting. Like, I worked at Port Huron, Novi, Saginaw. You know, I, I was working retail. So, like, I had to, like, working crazy hours. But I was doing what I had to do to provide for them. Once they launched to college, it was like, yeah, okay. You'll never be able to say that again. And my intention was, I'm going to just go back to school and get my associates. So I showed up at my, showed up in the nigga's <laughs> yeah. office. You know, 20 years out of school, like, hey, I don't know how to do this. I don't know where to start. Danica Townsville was so gracious with me at my college. She walked me through the process. And then I found myself, 
and I believe this, God leads you to the people you need in your life. Because mm -hmm. I found myself getting connected with Wanda mm -hmm. um, in the travel club, am I? And Wanda Stitt. And then from there, working for Crystal Croft in the business division. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jeff Livermore was the dean at the time. And Jeff really pushing me to get my bachelor's, right? You should really do a, a program. We've got these programs with Northwood or with Rochester, but you need to get your bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. That was not my thought, right? I'm just going to school to get my associates so I can shut my son up. Yeah. And then I found myself like, okay, well, what would it take to do that? And then I remember getting, while I was working on my bachelor's degree, Jeff Livermore, the dean again, was like, you need to get your master's degree. And I'm like, for what? <laughs> yeah. For what? Right? But he pushed me and challenged me. And it was Jeff again, while I was working on my master's degree, that said, you know, if you really want to do something great, you should get your doctorate degree. <laughs> and I told him I don't have time to be going to school like that. Like, I need to make some money, Jeff. I Look, I, I need to make some money. And um, and he said, you know, because I was like, I want to go to school for five more years. And he said, five years is going to pass no matter what. And so on, when I approached, I was approaching my fifth year being out of my master's program, having my master's degree. And I'm like, that doggone Jeff, five years is passing. Like what? And it was just always gnawing at me. Like, like. Like, God be on me. Like, he don't let me rest. When he tell me to do something, he does not let up with me. Um, and I'm like, okay, Lord, I hear you. So during the pandemic, right, in the middle of COVID, I was always terrified of the GMAT or the GRE test, right, to get into the um, doctor program. Okay. I, I have test anxiety. I'm really brilliant. Like, I've got great grades, you know, 4.0 all through college and all of that but anytime I went to take like these assessment tests that really you know quantify how intelligent you are um I would freeze right and so like get nervous I mean palms sweaty the whole nine um so anyway I was thinking about this and, and thinking about it in prayer and looking for a program and during COVID all of the tests were waived and so I said I'm only going to apply to one school. The school. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You've had to say that. The school. <laughs> and, um, you know, and if I don't get in, I can say I tried, right? So that failure mindset still creeps in. Um, but I applied and I got in, and so I just completed my first year. And, um, yeah, and I finished with a 375. And Congratulations. I'm pretty pleased, right? Congratulations. Thank you. So, so that, you know, my educational journey, um, I, I can't even tell you why I need it. Um, I do know that it is attached to my destiny mm -hmm. and that it is um, a very specific part of my purpose right now. How does it feel to have went so far beyond your expectations though. Oh. Like, I mean, like you said, you were just trying to get associates. Hey. <laughs> I remember, so, <laughs> I remember just thinking, right, like when I was taking some of these jobs, like when I went through the divorce with my, my, my ex-husband, the kid's dad, I, um, I remember moving back, because we lived in London at the time, and I remember moving home, 
and working at Applebee's on Miller Road. Okay. Making two seventy five an hour waiting tables. Okay. And I remember thinking, if I could just make thirty thousand dollars a year, I would be good, mm-hmm. right? That would allow me to take care of my kids. I, I could, I could work for thirty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. And um, and that was my expectation, but I think that's why, like, we don't know the plans that God has for us. It is so important that even though we have goals, that we stay open and flexible because we don't know how the path may wind and twist. Yeah. Um, so even now, like, I, I'm fortunate. I, like, I, I'm, I'm truly blessed I know that. Um, but I've worked hard. Right, and so sometimes people say, "Oh, pray," and the Lord work, and that is true. But when you pray, you got to get up, and you got to put grit to your prayers, because, like, I my belief is that God needs a partner, right? He wants to move in the earth, but He needs you to do your part also. Yeah. And so, like, I'm I'm very blessed, I'm very fortunate, but I, I put in work, yeah. academically professionally in my community like I've ministry is work serving people is work it is not always fun it ain't glamorous but it's necessary I really believe that serving others has helped me um, through some of the harder spots because even at my on my worst days I knew I had something to give Right, because there were people that were always Looking. either worse off or needed encouragement or needed support. Yeah, how? Because you spoke about it earlier. How um, when you were like when Jeff was telling you to to go to school, how God was pulling you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can go further and like to like how is God talking to you? Like what is that role that God plays in your life? Like how is he? How does he speak to you? Or how to, I don't know what mm-hmm. it is, but mm-hmm. um, so many different ways, right? So I'm a person that uh, I'm always up early, mm-hmm. um, five, five thirty, six o'clock, um, because I love the silence, mm-hmm. and I find that I hear God so much clearer mm-hmm. before the world gets talking, mm-hmm. um, or when I'm sitting by water, like if I'm sitting by a lake, or I'm sitting by a fire. Like, I love camping because I love sitting by the campfire or a bonfire. And in those moments, it's like I hear so clearly. Um, And it's it's usually like he'll show me something, and it could be something very subtle, and then it'll be reinforced, right? So whether it's a song, like interaction with a person, commercials, like like he don't hold it back one way or another. And I always sit in a space where, because I know people struggle to hear God sometimes. And my thought is like, my ability to hear God doesn't rest with me. It is his job to be sure I hear him clearly. He says, my sheep know my voice. And so I'm like, well, I'm a sheep. So make yourself clear, right? And so in that, um, I will say also like being open and mindful of the things that you hear repeated, right? So with the doctoral thing, no lie. I log on to a meeting and the lady says, oh, I see we have Dr. Angie in the room. Now, I don't know this lady. I don't know why she think I'm a doctor because I'm like, uh, that's not true. So this happened to me three times in one week 
where someone caught, and I was wrestling with returning, and I was praying over it, and three times, somebody called me doctor, and I'm like, this is ridiculous, <laughs> like, like, what you trying to say? Um, and so, I, I give that as an example, but that's not the only example, like, there's been, I, I, there's been so many times, and I liken it to, like, if you on the expressway, and you head towards Detroit, and you see signs that say Detroit 50 miles, 30 miles, Detroit 20 miles. You know you're heading in the right direction. If you're on a road to go to Detroit and you see signs that say Saginaw, right, you're going in the wrong direction. And so I liken those instances, you know, where there's this book called uh, God Chasers, and it talks about God winks, like God winking at you saying, yep, you're on the right path and keep going. You're on the right path. Keep going. You're getting closer. You're getting closer. And so um, I have those experiences all the time. And I think I have them because I'm open to them. And I sit before him in a way where he knows I'm listening. Because it's not my ability to hear. I think it's that just my readiness to take it in. How did your... Like when that, when things like that happen, say if you are in a situation where you not feeling is hot for that day, you're not feeling is confident. Like when you get those winks, like what does that make your body feel? What does it make your spirit feel? Okay, so I remember um, when I when I started the job here, right? Um, I had just accepted the position. I remember reading the job description and being like, I ain't qualified. Like. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and slide my application in, but I don't think I'm ready, right? That was my thought. And so, you know, went through the process, several interviews and panel interviews and all of that, and obviously they awarded, uh, offered me the job. And so I had accepted the job, and my very first day I, I was going to, um, I went to Foster's Coffee, and I'm like, I'm going to start my day, you know, just have some coffee and quiet myself before I start my new job. And um, ran into Lev there, and he gave me a prophetic word. And the word he spoke over me was so accurate and on time that literally, I like as he was speaking to me, I was crying because it was so clearly divine. And I think we have those interactions more times than we recognize where God will put somebody in your path and affirm you in a way, in a time that you need it most. Because I wasn't extremely confident. And I'm not always, right? I think people think like, oh, she's so strong. Yeah, not always, right? I have the same insecurities. I doubt myself. I doubt my worth. I sometimes doubt my value. Like, we all have these spaces where, and, and, and Jeff helped me with that. Um, because he said, your fear is unrat it's irrational. You have a 4.0. Clearly you achieve academically. Like there's no higher grade you could get. I don't understand why you're afraid to do this thing. And I'm like, ah, oh, I just don't think I'm ready. You know, I don't know if I can compete on that level. Like, and he's like, why? Like, I need you to explore that. Because it's you that's holding you back. And, and that's a conversation my daughter and I have all the time because I'm like, 
I, I see a lot of people doing a lot of things, and, and half of what I'm doing, I don't post, or it's not broadcast. Mm -hmm. And um, and I said something about um, somebody sleeping on me. I said, oh, they sleeping on me. They, you know, they don't know. And she said, no, you sleeping on me. And so my kids, I raise thinkers, yeah. right? I raise thinkers that, that share honestly. And my kids give me the business, right? And, and they applaud me all the time. But every now and then they're like, yeah, ma, like, you, you don't know, like, how awesome you are. And I'm like, mm. Then I'll start thinking, am I sleeping on me? Like, <laughs> you know, and so getting in the mirror and exploring your own biases, your own fears, your own insecurities to say, what is it within me that's holding God back from fully manifesting in me? Mm. In my work, you know, in the excellence of the performance that I bring, like academically, in community, like how do I let him shine through me? And I get me out the way. Because that's the only way he's going to be glorified. Because it ain't me. Like, I grew up in the hood and flipped. Let me tell you, it is the grace of God that I am swinging on a, a, a stripper pole, smoking on a crack pot. Like, that, that's, that, is, that was, would be my prescribed destiny. Okay. You know what I mean? Just the neighborhoods I grew up, the people I was running with, like, that could have been me, for real. Why do you think people had that doubt like I like you said people come into your life that that kind of assure you that that doubt isn't necessary I that's you for, for me that's that's you even with us not being around each other for a while but us finally getting back together it was a reason for us to mm -hmm. I believe that for us to start communicating again it's another lady uh, that I speak to a lot her name is Miss Mary uh, Hughes it's like I have a lot of doubt in things that things that I do, but it's people that come around me that's like they assure you, like you, like you said, you sleeping on yourself. Mm -hmm. So why do why would you think that people even have that mentality to sleep on themselves? I think that when we come into this world, right, we come into this world fully aware of who we are, what we bring, and what we're destined to do. I think the journey of life in this, the, the world in its fallen state is to cause doubt, right? Is, is to try to convince us we're not who we are, that we can't be and do who we were called to be and do. Mm -hmm. And so in that, I think it's natural, right? Just like, you know, things are born to die. I think that things in, on this realm come in and you're faced with opposition. And it, I also think it's important, right, that we have a cloud of people around us that remind us that we can do, we can be, and we can, um, even if you even if you fail, right, that by man's definition of failing, right, that we are supposed to fail. We're supposed to fail forward, mm -hmm. right, because this, this life is about learning, yeah. right? It's, it's the process of learning, and it's not so much about achieving. As it is learning along this journey. Mm -hmm. And who do we take and who do we help as we're learning and growing. What is your uh, your community? Obviously you said that your kids push you to push you to they they 
they get they strike a nerve at some point to, to push you forward but outside of your kids and maybe the people that you would you would think would push you like that way what is the rest of your community been like like what's the role of the rest of that community like people in your office like mm-hmm. what do they give to you um so like my team is my team is bomb I, like i got a great squad of people i've been really you, you hear this language currently about people finding their tribe right I do believe that like when you when you have a work team um, I'm in a bit of a different position where I get to select who I work with right I hire but I think that I think there's divinity even in that right because I think the people that you work with sometimes have God allows people to be put on your path, right? Sort of like sandpaper to kind of smooth off some of the the edges. Um, I think the same thing with family, like the family that you're born into. There is nobody that pushes your buttons like your family, right? Sure. Like, are you looking at these <laughs> folks sure. like God? Are you serious? I think that's divine, right? Uh, for me, family, like my. Family, my inner core, um, our faith foundation has been critical uh, for me because I don't have to look for strangers when I want to agree with someone on a thing, right? I do believe in the power of agreement, whether that's prayer, whether that's affirmation. I believe that you being able to connect with somebody and say, hey, this is what I want to do, and they like, yeah, you can do that, or... I'm in agreement with you. Let's pray about that. Or, okay, are you going to make a goal? Are you going to do a plan? Like, what's your action plan? What you going to do this month? What you going to do this year? Like, I think accountability is critical. Um, so, so family is key. I think a community of faith is really important. This is my challenge right now with um, a generation that doesn't value church. Okay. Right, because while I appreciate technology, I appreciate the ability to access materials online, there is nothing like being in a community of folks where you can be in the same space under the same teaching and have the power of agreement. Okay. Um, virtually, that you're just not able to get that the same way, right? If I if I'm on a Facebook live with other people, we're in the comments. That's fire. But if I'm struggling, I need human connection. Because the only thing that can help you really like sustain movement is usually having someone that's pulling you forward or pushing you forward. Um, and so that's, that's my challenge right now. I've been very fortunate that I've chosen communities of faith through my church or through other groups that were able to not just support me, but support my kids. Okay as they've had to navigate their spaces. Um, Two beautiful human beings, but like everybody, they made choices, right? They they took paths. And sometimes those paths weren't easy. And there there were people along the journey through our community of faith that were able to be a sounding board and a resource for them in times when they couldn't receive from me, but they needed to hear from someone else. Yeah, like an objective. Yeah, and see, we used to have this in neighborhoods, right? It used to be 
if your mama wasn't home, your auntie was down across the street, or, or, look, I had a Miss Slater, I had, um, <laughs> look, I had Miss Hill, like, I had people on my block that could check me, but would also look out for me, so if you were locked out, you know, the Morales' next door might give you a tortilla or something, and hold you over until your mama got home from work, um, but us not having those close-knit communities physically, right? People are in their backyard instead of on their porch, um, have caused an erosion in in young people being supported, right? In ways that they used to be supported. Yeah, because, like, growing up, I know when I was younger, I would have, like, that type of community. Like, on our street, like, we'll have a bunch of people that we speak to. And it's kind of before we had a lot of technology to distract us. But now it's like, like we, we would be over each other's houses. We'd be responsible for each other. But now it's like, you don't have that. Don't nobody know each other. No, we used to borrow sugar. Go over Miss Mary's house and see if we can get a cup of milk, right? I mean, that's how I grew up. And as kids, you knew where everybody was because that's where the bikes were, right? In the front yard, you knew everybody was at you know, at Joe's house because all the bikes was on the front yard. Um, and, and kids don't have that anymore. Um, and even as we've become more self-absorbed, right? Like, I can't even say, like, I don't spend a lot of time talking to my neighbors. Like, I say hi, I do know their names because if something go down, <laughs> right, we need to check on yeah. each other. Um, but I think we don't, community isn't a, it's not geographical like it used to be, right? When when people weren't as mobile, it was your literal block. Yeah. It was your community school. Now we have schools that are sprawled out. We have people that are far more mobile. So it's not community on your block. It is the community that you're creating virtually. Mm-hmm. But the challenge is, mostly people you don't really know. They got no Everybody got on filters. <laughs> And you will walk past the person. Look, somebody can be your friend on any platform, and you won't walk past them because when you see them in real life, you don't recognize them. That's dangerous to some degree. It is. Because um, then we have this illusion of knowing someone. Right? Yeah. Like, again, your representative. I know the representative that you put out there, but I don't really know the real you. Right? Yeah. I don't see the bags, I don't see the dark shadows, right? I don't see the rolls because the angle is like this. And so I walk <laughs> past you and I don't even recognize you because you don't look like who you present to be. Yeah. Which must be hard, especially for men. I mean, men do it too. Men catfish too, don't get me wrong. They po- they post younger photos and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but but for, for men with women, I'm like, wow, that's like... Deceptive. Must be really hard. Yeah, when you are when you're in the process of making a decision, like what do you trust more? Somebody your outside, uh, somebody from the outside, or you tr- you just so uh, confident in your own intuition? My academic mind would tell you to weigh both, right? Okay. But that's not really no, because there's been times when I've had to make a decision to stand alone against what seemed logical, okay. right? Um, and for me, 
right? What I would equate that to is like being led by the Spirit of God because when I know to do a thing, it don't matter if don't nobody go. Like, like I, I'm stubborn by nature, but like if I get a down a heavenly download that this is the the path. Like so, when I was talking to my girlfriend about going back to school for my doctor, she's like, "Yeah, that's a lot of money, and you know, so you gonna invest all this money, and then what you think gonna happen?" And I'm like, "I don't like, I don't know, like, I don't, I can't explain it to you." Well, how you gonna find the time to do that? You're working, you're doing this, that's that. You know, you got five jobs. I said, "I don't know." <laughs> you got five jobs. I said, "I don't know." Like, I can't, I cannot tell you how this will make sense, but I couldn't have told you how I was going to raise my kids. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? The way I did. I I couldn't explain it. And I think at some point, like, when you, when you have an unction and you know you need to do it, like, you know in your core, this is the thing for me to do, like, right now in this season. Mm -hmm. But I preface that by saying, every morning, I'm sitting quietly. I'm in prayer, and I'm studying my word, right? So those are things that gird me so that when I need to make a decision, I'm not just out here reckless, right? And that if it's something that is coming up and I'm contemplating it, like I'm a labor over and in prayer. If it's something that like, like I got to make a decision right then, I trust my gut. And I've learned to trust my gut. But I've also learned where the areas that I have consistently um, not made good decisions so that I know where my blind spots are, right? So like when I started out talking about the need for love and affection and validation, right? Like knowing that those were blind spots for me, like I went to therapy. I spent time in therapy exploring that stuff, doing the work so that I would be, I could resolve and make peace with some of the trauma I had so that those blind spots wouldn't be as disastrous for me in the future. Okay, okay. Right? So that allows me to be a lot more comfortable and confident in the decisions I make because I know myself, I know my triggers. I know what I'm prone to be subject to. Like, you got to know your own temptations. You got to know yourself. And and in that space, I can make better informed decisions. Did, did, um, did therapy, because I know a lot of black people don't care for therapy. Like, going through that, did you, did you, did you see the purpose of it? Did Absolutely. You? I highly recommend it. And I highly recommend that you find the right therapist, though. And that that's a difficult path. I think that's where when people are like, oh, therapy didn't work for me. No, you didn't find the right person. Like, because based on your your personality, based on where you are faith-wise, you've got to have a connection with your therapist that you can really go there. And that that person can speak to you in a way that will hold you accountable, but honestly compel you. Right yeah. to move forward in your life in a way that honors yourself. Yeah, and it's like finding one that be- that believes in what they tell what they're telling. Yeah, because you have somebody that's just be at 
that could be BSing you and just telling you the things that you want to hear. Yeah, or giving you the <laughs> rhetoric, right? Yeah. Like, not the earnest connection, but saying, well, you know, instead of like, okay, so I hear you saying this. What is it that you want? Yeah. Have you made a plan how to get what you want? Yeah. What does that plan look like? What steps are you taking along that path to end up where you want to be? Yeah, I, I, and I find that that's, that's a... That's one of the issues our community has with therapy. It's like, it's the accountability thing. It's like, we think that therapy is supposed to, I know I went into therapy thinking this is like, okay, so I'm going to therapy and they're going to figure out my problems. But what I've learned is, no, they're going to let you talk your problems through and their job is to kind of help you untangle some things, Mm -hmm. but... Ask you some provoking and prodding questions, right, to help you self-discover. And many of us just didn't grow up with language that would cause us to really be able to articulate some of what we're thinking or feeling and tools, right? So if I'm feeling this way, i got a couple options. And then having a therapist say, well, have you ever considered maybe responding this way? Yeah. Or have you considered the role that something else could play in that? Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of therapy um, with the right therapist. I will say that I've, you know, therapists are, are human, right? So just like <laughs> preachers, like, like I don't yeah. believe in blind allegiance and devotion to anybody, yeah. right? I believe that you, you ought to know, look, God, your higher power, Allah, whatever you call him to be, do the work to govern yourself according to your moral compass and then within you I believe there's a voice inside of you that will lead you and guide you to your best path and and we gotta quit judging people in their path right because my path might not be yours and it's not right for me to prescribe what worked for me on you I just want to celebrate you and support you on your journey and as we get it right and get it wrong, right, that the love is real and that and there's acceptance here even as we journey onto it. It was something that my sister was talking about, um, me and her talking about it, and she was like, and also sometimes, like you said, find the right therapist, sometimes you could probably be getting advice from somebody in a wrong state of mind. So you getting you getting them in a in a in a state of where they're not in their best spot. So especially like we do this, it's called trauma bonding, right? Mm-hmm. Where people who experience similar trauma mm-hmm. will regurgitate that trauma together. And like I'm gonna use women, like oh yeah. You know, my man dog me out. I know, girl, all men is dogs, right? (laughs) So you bond over this trauma, and then you continue to resuscitate and regurgitate the pain associated with that trauma instead of moving into a space that says, okay, so let's unpack that, right? So are you seeing patterns in your relationships? What patterns are you seeing? And what are the characteristics of the men that you're choosing, Mm -hmm. Right? Because you made a conscious choice to entertain these type of men. And if there are patterns there, is it something, what part do you own in that? And when they present themselves with these red flags, are you acknowledging the red flags? Or are you perpetuating the same behavioral cycle? Because that's on me, that ain't on the man. 
right? So when people get to talk about like they baby dad, okay, my response is you picked him. Yeah. Nobody else picked him, right? So if you got an issue with this dude, you gotta own it. The fact that okay, this is the person that I chose to choose to be in a relationship, to lay down with, to, to spawn seed with, like, and so in that, now I have other choices. How am I going to interact with this person? How can I manage this relationship so that, regardless to their inconsistency or whatever they bring into the table, how can I govern my life so that this thing is still healthy or there are clear boundaries with, for the things that are unhealthy that they remain outside of the circle? I think, like, when you sit in a space where you honor who you are, it helps you navigate every other relationship.
being like being a Christian or being a believer, right? Like people will impose this on you, like, well, you're a Christian, you shouldn't be divorced, right? Yeah. Or you're supposed to stick it out. Or and I've been married in situations where the person I was married to so counted on my Christianity that they did not honor me, whether it was like by betrayal or by lying or whatever. And what I realized is that like I have to honor God in me, in the way you treat me. Yeah. And when that treatment doesn't align with God's value of me, then I've got the authority to leave the relationship. Instead of like, you ain't got to never hit my eye. <laughs> right? You ain't got to beat me or go upside my head. Because first thing people say is, oh, did he cheat on you? Oh, did he beat you? Oh, was he? Like, why does it have to take that for you yeah. to say, this relationship is unhealthy or it's toxic and it no longer honors who I am called to be as a human being? Sometimes... Like, I believe in God. Mm -hmm. I'm not a very religious person, but, like, at times when you're trying to make someone, you know, feel attracted to you, like you said, men are the hunters. It's not that I'm lying about my my God, that I, the, the belief that I have in Him. It's just, like, I'm trying to... And I've and I've stopped doing this. I've tried to stop doing this. Just I'm trying to in some way just make you feel like I'm really it's like I want you to know that I believe in God. Okay. But sometimes we I kinda overdo it. But my real self, I know that I believe in God. It just might not be as strong as the other person. Then if the other person sees that you you don't believe it in the and the way that they do, they may have a radical belief system. Mm -hmm. Then it's like, so is this even going to last as much as I want it to? Well, see, and that's, okay, so this is why I think it's important, right, to share that with, with transparency, to say, I believe in God, and this is how that belief manifests in my life, right? And this is how I expect to interact with another person around my belief. So, for example, I, I would say my faith is pretty radical, right? Like, um, who I am spiritually is far more important in, in, in how I manifest myself than who I am physically. Okay. Like, that is my superpower. Like, it is the essence of who I am. It is my best self. Like, my, abil my ability to tap into the spiritual realm and to extract like these gems of things that are happening spiritually and how they manifest naturally. Um, so it's really important to me that the person I'm with, I'm able to connect spiritually, right? So spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, like I need, I'm a person who needs a high level of connection on all those levels. Okay. I'm not a person that you can just connect with physically and then the physical be such a priority that it overrides the other things, yeah. right? Like, we could have a bomb sex, but if you can't talk to me and if we can't relate and if you can't understand, like, my fears and my thoughts and my purpose, 
right? If you can't grasp my purpose for me, like we can't walk too far together. Because what will happen, and I've had this experience in relationships, an insecure person, when I am fully engaged in my purpose and I'm killing what God has called me to do, professionally or spiritually, will feel intimidated and they will begin to sabotage. Right, whether it's saying little smart things or picking at your self-esteem or trying to bring you down a notch, right? Like, it's, it's really vital that, you know, that I'm able to walk in agreement with whoever I'm with and that I'm cheerleading for you like you cheerleading for me. And there is a dynamic, right, between males and females where it's like totally expected that the woman would cheer for the man. But you don't often see strong, solid men who are cheering with pom-poms for women. You know what I mean? Because that's like, not, I mean, that's not as common. What you see is these boss chicks that are walking out their life as singles. Mm -hmm. Killing it, taking their own trips, buying their own properties, like doing their thing. And, And you see them operating in this single space because... A lot of times, you know, the men in their lives don't, or they may feel overshadowed. Mm-hmm. I, I do see that a lot. It's like um, the guys, in a way, you start to, a lot of them start to seem like they, they feel like they subservient to the woman when they finally have to encourage her. But it's like, if, like you were saying, if you're in a relationship, that's where I have my problems at in relationships. It's like, it, it's, it's either me being this way or the other person being this way. So I place the blame on myself too. If I can't feel like I can be like completely vulnerable with you. And, but you, but every, but we start talking about these things that are just outside of the relationship or these things that could possibly happen. If we're not dealing with our present situation and being as transparent as we can with each other, it's not going to work. I can't even get, uh, not to be vulgar about it, it's hard to be turned on by someone that you you don't even know how they think. You don't know how imaginative they are. You don't know how the process of, of, of just doing things works. So I agree with that. It's like you got to, you got to, you got to, if you really want to be with somebody, you, you're going to have to just find that, I don't know, it's like no trust without shame. You're going to have to show, you're going to have to express some shameful things yeah. about yourself too. You know? Well, what you're talking about is intimacy, yeah. right? Yeah. Like if yeah. we really going to have intimacy, right? Like you have people that have sex all the time with their clothes mm-hmm. on, right? Yeah. Pull your pants down, lift up the skirt, yeah. whatever. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's, I mean, but that's not... Being exposed to one another completely, yeah. right, without covers, with lights on, saying, here I am, I want you to see all of me, and I want you to know all of me, mm-hmm. and I want to see and know all of you. Yeah. And I think a lot of times that, number one, that's scary, right, because that vulnerability is, if I show you who I am, will you stay, yeah. and will you choose to love me, mm-hmm. like warts and all. Right? Yeah. And and many of us don't know that kind of love. 
because even in our homes when we grew up, our parents didn't love us like that. Mm-hmm. Like we were taught to love if we perform. Yeah. Right? If you find like, the if good you go to somebody. school, you do a good yeah. job, then oh, you know, you got all this and then you're wonderful. But if you came home and you were struggling, did I celebrate you and did I rally to support you? Or did I just teach you that if you perform, you get loved. If you don't perform, you don't. And, and most, you know, most of our parents didn't have the type of supports we have now to really explore what is healthy, what is toxic, what is trauma. And how do we, how do we show up in ways, and I'm not saying that everyone deserves that level of transparency, right? Because you should not disrobe in front of everybody. Um... But I think that we've got to figure out like a, a way of getting to know people so that we explore, are you safe for me to really share who I am with you? Yeah. Or at what point, where do you fit in my life, right? So if, we're, if my life is a theater, do you belong in the balcony? Or do you belong like in the orchestra pit? Or do you belong on the front row, right? And sometimes we give people space that they don't deserve. And so if I put you on the front row of my life and I share my vulnerability and you use that against me or you hurt me with it, then either I misgaged who you were or I didn't take the time and the diligence to say, "Um, no, we're going to have to set you in the balcony, (laughs) right? Because you can't handle being up front, right? Or you don't need to be that close to me because of the friendly fire. you're close enough to hurt me. And that's what relationships are. You are close enough to hurt me. Um, and and you, all relationships, you're going to experience pain. But the question is, when you weigh the pain, you know, and, and you weigh the joy, joy and pain, right? Yeah. Right? When you weigh it, is it worth it? Yeah. It's a, it's a Bob Marley quote. He was, he said, like you're gonna, like you said, you're gonna, you're gonna go through some suffering, but you got to figure out who you're gonna suffer for. Who's worth suffering for that? Yeah. And it's like, if I just know for myself, um, if I don't have the ability to be transparent with you and to be honest with you, there's it's not much amount of suffering that I'm willing to go through for that. Mm-hmm. You know, I I can still love you. But, like, say if I'm, if we we dealing in a relationship and you're not transparent with me, you could be the problem of the issue that, that, that's coming to you. But I don't know that. But then I got to deal with all the variables around what's going on with you. Mm-hmm. But you're not telling, you're not, you're not you, exposed you to the problem. If you tell the whole truth, yeah. right? Yeah. So, like, even in that, to be able to say... Yeah, with maturity, like, oh, I really screwed up. Hey, I went in here, mm-hmm. and I probably shouldn't have said this, but I said it anyway, and then they responded this way, right? And that may have set us back. Um, I, I think that's the, like, as you grow and mature, right, you got to be able to own your stuff and, and also, right, have your boundaries to say, this is what I'm prepared to deal with. This is, this is what I'm not. So when you say that, like, somebody not being transparent, like, it's levels of truth in that, but if you're omitting things, like, if, if I know something, 
always use this example, right? <laughs> if we date, we go into a spot, and there's somebody there that I dealt with, mm -hmm. right? And I know I done dealt with this person, mm -hmm. but you don't know that, right? <laughs> right and right. so now you're getting this funky vibe from this guy that's like, oh, what's up? Right? And he's looking, and you like, what was that? Right? <laughs> right, right, right. And, and I'm there, and I'm like, but I don't tell you, hey, hey, okay, just FYI. See the guy, blue hoodie on the left-hand side? Okay. Yeah, we used to deal with each other. Yeah. I'm going to feel you in when we get back in the car. Right? But I'm not going to have you walk into a space where you're not aware that there's a dynamic there, and this guy... Whatever that is, right? When you meet him, then you looking at him different because you already know or you used to deal with my Yeah, he like right? smiling in your face. So right. like, you smiling so and, much. And so that, and I, I give that example because I had that experience before, right? Working out at the gym. Mm -hmm. I was married at the time. Um, the guy's married. Anyway, long story there. But he, 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 I don't know if he was currently dealing with the chick or had dealt with the chick, right? But working out at the gym, there's this weird, like this chick is like me mugging me at a distance, but you're working out, so you ain't really paying attention to the person. But the energy is so off that I'm like, hey, you know what, girl? Nah, nah, right? <laughs> she just work out here, right? And I'm right. like, but everything in me, like my very cells, the hair on my arms was like, that's not true, right? And because of the, I, we're so wired to be intuitive, like at our core, right? Like I think, I think we are prone to truth. And that when things are incongruent, like everything in us, like we use the term red flags, right? Sirens, bells, whistles go off, yeah. right? Saying yeah. danger, danger. <laughs> um, and, and so, but to be with someone that is with you in a space, but not open and honest with you, puts you at risk, right? Because now I'm in a situation, I'm unfamiliar, y'all familiar. There's information here that's withheld from me. Yeah. Why would you? I, I use the term uncovered. Why would you leave me uncovered like that? If, as my mate, your job is to protect me and to look out for me, why would you withhold anything from me? Yeah. And leave me in a vulnerable space. Yeah, and that's that's both ways. Yeah. We both, in a way, protecting each other. So. Yes, I was, like the woman's supposed to protect the man's heart. The man is supposed to protect the woman's heart and physically, right? Yeah. So if we move in into spaces like, and we're supposed to be moving in step with each other, then then you wouldn't withhold something that that could be vital for me to know. Yeah, and now I ain't saying give me all the down dirty details of it but i'm just saying don't have me, <laughs> don't have me out of these streets looking crazy just right? just let me know the foundation of what was going on then and it could be something simple like it could be your family now right like i've i've had situations where families have secrets right mm -hmm. people borrow money and people you know the mama not telling the son and the mama the son not telling the daddy and like just messy people live in messy um and I think when you desire to, to walk in truth and to live, like, an honest life, um, and I'll say this, I've seen it come to head at funerals, right? Because usually that's when the dirt come out, right? Yeah. That body 
is in that box and you don't live five and then you got your baby mama on the front row and the lady you married to and then you got the one you currently sleeping with and they all want to breathe they all look want to grieve at the same time and then there's a power struggle to who he really loved right because what you do in the dark come out how would you go about the, like you're saying like the next time you you're dealing with something about not bringing that 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 representative to the to the party like I, I, okay so this is, i ain't gonna say this is the right way right mm -hmm. but i i'll tell you what what works for me right um i bring my crazy to the party mm -hmm. right so like i try to convince people that you don't want to talk to me right like mm -hmm. like i love me i'm fabulous i, yeah. I i'm incredible yeah i would date me. but <laughs> but i also know i'm not for everybody right so leading in with all of the things that anybody else has ever struggled with with me right yeah. um and just being so clear about what my expectations are so that if you are intimidated you should be okay. it, right if you think this is too much it probably is <laughs> yeah, yeah. um because otherwise then you don't really get a chance to meet me you know, for who I am and what I'm looking for. Um, I really don't, I don't believe in trying to impress anybody that you're dating. But I approach it like you would a job interview, right? In the sense that, like, for me, a job interview is not so much do, do you want me, it's do I want you. Like... Do I want to submit my gifts, my talents, my resources, and my access to your leadership? And dating is very much similar, right? Like, everything that I am and I bring to the table, do I want to give you access to that? Because when we interact with people, then we are giving them an inv invitation, right, to invade our world with either their emotional state, their financial state, their family drama, like, cause <laughs> you, sure. you, you're not going to be detached from that. Whoever they are, however they've managed their life, when they step into your life, you get all of that. So, as a person who divorced with young children, it was really important to me that I have a great relationship with my kid's dad. Um, we did not have a good marriage, but we had a great um, partnership when it came to parenting kids. And I mean, we had conflict from time to time, but for the most part, there was no drama. And there was never a competition um, between us around loving our kids, right? Our kids always had a village. Mm -hmm. So holidays, we got in-laws, we got my family, his family, his wife, whoever he dating at the time. Mm -hmm. Like, it's no drama because it's nothing but love yeah. because these kids are in the center. Right. So I actively manage that outside of anybody else, right? So anybody who would step into my world would have to be okay with that, but also understand that when you step into this space, we team kid over here. Yeah. And so like, if you not trying to be team kid, you don't belong in this space. What's something that it's never gonna leave you? It's like, it's like second nature for you to hold on to that lesson. Um. I have, well, uh, okay, so I got three things that I say all the time okay. to my kids. 
things. Like, I always say, all the water in the world won't sink a boat unless it gets inside. Because mm -hmm. you can always rise above stuff, mm -hmm. but if you let it inside, that's when your ship will tip over and you'll drown. Right? So keeping the stuff outside that needs to stay outside. Like, that ain't mine. I ain't picking that up. That stays outside. Like, I would literally say, if the stuff is jumping off, mm -hmm. I'm rising on that. I'm not taking that inside. Um, the other thing, this is probably my first one. The first one, I always say, you get the life you choose. You get the life you choose, and if the life you got ain't what you want, make a different choice. Right? So that that's a mantra that I remember when my kids were younger and I would tell them, you are reaping the benefits of the choices I make. This is the life I have chosen. So we taking trips, we taking cruises, whatever. You're reaping the benefits of my choices. It'll come a point in time where you will live a life according to your own choices. And so that I think that is really important, but it always centers the fact that you have the power to create a different kind of life if you're not happy with where you are. Um, I bend, I don't break. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I bend, I don't break. So it's a um, Psalms 100. No, Psalms 1. It's either 1 or 100. It talks about the tree that's planted by the rivers of the water that bears forth its fruit in its season. And when I think about that, um, I know they weren't talking about palm trees, but I think about palm okay. trees. <laughs> um, and it's, it's a song by Whitney Houston that always comes to my mind when I think about that, too. When she, she sings about, like, I didn't know my own strength. And I think about the seasons in my life that I thought would break me. And how, like, I might have been bent low, but I did break. Right, and I think that that kind of resilience, um, I think it really shapes me, right? Like, like when you survive some things, you know what I mean? When it's like, yeah, okay, like, yeah. yes, like, and? And what's, right, and yeah, what's, what's next? What's next? Yeah, I mean, because I'm, you know, I'm a child who survived sexual molestation, you know, I'm grew up in a house with domestic violence, I had drugs in the household, and look, was, look, in my younger day, right, like, I got weed from my dad, right, <laughs> before it was legal, okay, right, okay. and so I, I don't partake, so for me, right, I think about the things that I've gone through, and I think about how those things could have really broken me, um, but but they built a different type of resiliency in me. And so it, it's also helped me, though, to be flexible and adaptable and to take time when I need time, right? And to protect myself and prioritize my mental health and practice self-care and be sure that I maintain healthy boundaries, right? So I don't have situations that are depleting me or relationships that suck the life out of me. Um, so when I find myself bending, right, I'm just like, okay, what's, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And is this something I can control? Or, you know, is this, to quote uh, Pastor George, um, if I, can, the, can I control this or can I influence it? Okay. Right? And so looking at those things and the things that I can control, I do. 
And then the things that I can influence, I'm okay with that too. Mm -hmm. I've developed these, like, I don't know, theories or mantras, you know, over the last 50 years, um, but not necessarily wrote them down, right? But just like, when things happen, these are the things that I, I rehearse in my mind, mm -hmm. right? That take me back and remind me who I am mm -hmm. and, and where I'm going. I had this, um, I think I had shared with you, I just recorded a, like a voice note about the importance of, um, of um, my relationship with my grandmother in, in setting my foundation for life. Yeah. I was reflecting on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I am, a, that's one of the benefits of me being in this doctoral program, like it's, it's forced me to write more. Um, I think naturally I communicate orally. Yeah, I'm a preacher, right? So I communicate orally. Um, but but this journey has caused me to like to put pen to paper and to type things out and to really create content in a way that I haven't done before. Just be encouraged, right? That that no matter where person finds themselves in whatever season, whatever state, um, that there's always hope. And that there's, as long as you got breath in your body, as like, as long as you can breathe in and, and there is hope and you can always create a better life um, or, or a deeper level of gratitude for the life you do have if it's fabulous. Right? Because everybody ain't struggling. Um, but but even if you're not struggling and you find yourself in a great space, you know that the level of gratitude that you can you can have in that space, um, hopefully, would manifest in a way where you're also strong enough that you're pouring out and you're supporting other folks. Um, and we live in this world that that's so um, self-focused that we're not always serving. And so those of us, look, if you've applied the oxygen to yourself, it's now time to apply it. Because, <laughs> you know, these last couple of years have been rough on people. Um, the level of grief, the level of stress, financial pressures, educational pressures. Um, like a lot of people are struggling. And I think one of the, the things that we can do, the things we can control, the things that we can influence is our ability to connect with one another. As people are using technology and as we are, you know, evolving, um, there is nothing that replaces looking eye to eye to another person, right? A, a, a good hug, a real hug, yep. right? Nothing replaces that. Um, and I think a lot of what people are looking for, you know, through these social media platforms is relevancy and connection. And and we have that. Like, it's, it's like an illusion because you think you need it, but you do have it. It's just, where are you looking for it? Yeah. Right? So the biggest trick is that we're, we're not who we need to be, that we have to become. We already are everything. Yeah. that we need to be. It's a matter of how do we allow who we authentically are to emerge. Yeah. Instead of trying to fit somebody else's 
narrative of who you are. It's yeah, like, you already are. Yeah. So, like, in the you gonna make me preach. So, in the Garden of Eden, right, when the enemy came to to tempt Eve, right, the way he tempted her was to say, "Did you know that if you eat this, you'll be like God?" She was already like God because she was made in His image and His likeness. She wasn't lacking anything. Right? She was already perfect and complete. And so, you know, when people come along telling you, oh, you, know, you need to do this, and if you do this, then you do, then you're going to be, no, you already are. Like, sit in the space where you know that you are. Like, you, you know, you're your ancestor's dream. You are. You are God's vision for who you, who he designed you to be. Like, you are a masterpiece. So I guess that's the thing I would want people to take away is a sense of knowing that you were created on purpose. Nothing you're going through has caught God by surprise. Yeah. <laughs> he ain't, he ain't, he didn't wake up like, oh my God. Like, no. He's like, yeah, I knew this was going to happen. I knew you was going to fall. I knew you was going to be frustrated. I, I knew you was going to need money. Like, I knew you would need all these things. And out of my love for you, I've already made provision. Why are you tripping? Trust me. Trust me in it. Yes. And so when we yes. can sit in that space that we have a loving father who earnestly, like, any, when you see baby, you be like, oh, he's a good daddy. Why is he a good daddy? Because he's really taking care of his kids. Mm -hmm. And that's who God is to us. Like, he's, he's like, yeah, everything you have need of, I've already provided it. Spend time with me. Don't worry about the stuff. Don't worry about the situation. If you focus on me, right, I will give you direction how to walk into the manifestation of it. That's something that, even to this day, I don't think I fully understand it. But it's like, there's no other reason for me to be here than for a reason. And it's... And it's so simple, it's, right? Yeah. It's so simple. Like... So this is my approach towards, you know, when I think about conception, right? We got this whole debate about Roe versus Wade and we should be saying what a, what a woman can do with her body and all this kind of stuff. And I, I don't trust government to make decisions mm -hmm. around people because we've seen historically that don't work yeah. well. <laughs> but, but I will say this. I'm not as focused on that as I am. Like, do we really recognize the miracle of birth and conception? Because if you really got that, like, there is no conception without purpose. Mm -hmm. Nothing happens without purpose. And so if there's life, there's a reason. And as God has given life, and as we entertain life, the question is how do we value life? Mm -hmm. Right? And how do we value people in their purpose? Because if we saw it like that, then we wouldn't have the social injustice we have. Mm -hmm. Right? If I saw you as... God's image in the flesh on this earth for a reason and I had honor and respect for that then I wouldn't mistrust you mistreat you right if I didn't if I believe that then I wouldn't elevate some people above other people like really regardless of race gender all of that like I would value human life because I would realize human life is attached to purpose mm-hmm and then I would want to celebrate that and be sure every person have whatever they needed to see their purpose emerge. And that could be stable housing, adequate food, 
healthy water, right? Like, because I need all of us to emanate our true purpose. Um, so with the Flint, Tennessee Literacy Network, right, our vision is that we would have a community where no one is suffering due to low literacy levels. So that means that kids, when they kindergarten, zero to five, right, they're showing up in kindergarten, they've been prepared for early learning. They're prepared for kindergarten. They thrive in school. They go through school, K through 12, right, and that they're able to navigate text, language, understanding, because we realize that literacy is not just words on a, on, on a book, right? It is multidimensional, right? It's, it's cultural literacy, it's financial literacy, it's health literacy. But oftentimes, if you can't navigate words, how do you navigate systems? So if you can't read or write, how do you interact in a world, in a workforce, right? When you can't read the employee manual or the application, um, and even locally, like we've had so many residents reach out because they couldn't navigate like the water lawsuit claim, right? Mm -hmm. They sent us these forms. I don't know what the heck this stuff say. You know, I need help reading. I need help not just reading if I can read the words, but I don't have the comprehension, right? I read it, but I don't understand it. And I think we've all had that experience before where we read something and we're like, well, what? <laughs> um, so the work that we do is really from cradle to career around literacy within Flint Genesee County. Um, we rally partners together that are working to support families and ensure that we're using best practices collectively so that we can go further and that we can help more people with you know, the limited resources that are available. I've said it already two, three times, but thank you. I love you. I love um, you. And I'm so proud of you. Can I just, let me just lift you up in this space, right? Because I think it is so encouraging for me, right, to see you passionate about what you're doing and that your desire to help other people and to really elevate voices of like, how do we have dialogue earnestly that help inspire, but also help people to entertain like how they see themselves, how they're interacting with other people, and how they're even um, caring for themselves mentally to ensure that that it's they're moving forward in a way that's healthy and that's productive. Yes. So I just want to lift you up because you know, as a, as a black man in this <laughs> world, right? That's that's not common. Yeah. And it is to be celebrated. So I just want to encourage you, you. and uh, tell you how proud I am of you. Thank you. And I'm so proud of you because <laughs> from what you said, you was only going to get associate and for you to be where you at now, yeah. have your own office, have people that that are inspired by you enough to work under you so they can be at a point at some point to be in a position of authority. Yeah. So I'm proud of you. Thank you. Uh, so thank you so much for doing this. It's I. So thank you so much. No, it's, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.